Welcome back to Rome Boys. On this episode, we're hanging with the folks here at Ozona at Our Lady of Perpetual Health. Help. Yeah, give it up. Yeah. yeah. We are continuing our faith formation series with reconciliation, penance, confession. Which one is it? Forgiveness, there conversion. There's all these different titles. Yeah. Sorry, Mom. Forget <laughs> death. Both. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we're continuing our faith formation with confession. Now, everybody knows it by confession. The technical word is reconciliation, the sacrament of reconciliation, because we're reconciled with God. Uh, but before we can even talk about confession, we have to talk about sin. And my theology teacher back in high school said, sin is a se is separation from God and God's people. So I remember that. You know, he taught me that. Praise God. Um, but I, uh, a definition I found years later that I really think is the best. A sin is a thought, word, deed, or offense against God and his people. So a thought, my goodness, we lots of times skipped over that. We could be doing a lot of sins. A thought, word, deed, or omission. It means I'm supposed to do something, and out of fear or whatever it is, I don't do it. And it hurts me, God, others, the mystical body of Christ. Now let's be, before we get super Catholic guilt here and, you know, and all focus on the bad stuff, the same applies to good things. You do a good deed. It helps the entire mystical body of Christ. It helps all the souls in purgatory get one step closer to God. Heaven rejoices. Earth is stronger because you do a good deed. A sin, back to that, every time we sin, it's like a nail going into a piece of wood. When we go to reconciliation and confession, we take the nail out. Praise God. What's left? The hole. And that's filled in with penance. And a good, I mean, I had a priest when I was in the seminary for two and a half years. We loved him because he gave us one Hail Mary for our penance. And we're like, this guy's easy, awesome, that's so cool. Um, but I'm like, I just confessed like 25 sins. How is one Hail Mary going to fill in all those holes of Tony Frasco? It ain't. Before we continue, I can hear some of you saying, but that's not correct grammar, that's not good English. Okay, so uh, the catechism mentions there's three forms of penance. Prayer, you've heard these before at Lent, fasting, and almsgiving. And they're not just meant for Lent, we're supposed to do these every day. And the prayer one we really emphasize all the time, that's a good one, we got that covered. Fasting, that's for 40 days of the whole year, right? Not even that. Like during Lent, we don't even all every day fast. Look, every day, except for Sundays, Easter and holy days and, you know, big days like that, there should be some form of fasting, giving up of things. As Americans, we should really focus on that one. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. And then almsgiving, truly giving at least 10% of our tithing, of our money, and then also our own time and talent to, to the Lord, because that fills in the holes. Because you don't want to be holy to be holy. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? You know, if you have all those holes from your sin, they got to be filled in. 
a saint, we can only be a saint to enter into heaven. Do you want to be in purgatory to be made into a saint? Or do you want to fill in the holes now through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving? Praise God we have confession. Go often. I go every two weeks, not because I'm holy, because I'm not holy. <laughs> I know who I am when I don't go to confession. It's bad. And during Totus Tuus, the very first summers I taught through that program, I, we went every week. It was amazing. I went from like, wow, that was you at the beginning of the summer, Tony. This is you now. You're radically a different person. And I vowed that. I said, I'm going to go often. The lines to confession need to be long. That's when you know a parish is on fire. When Father has to create new times for confession, that we're going so often that, like, we don't have to go every day, but often. If St. John Paul II went at least once a week, it's verified at least he did that, if not every day, we should be going as often as we can. So, and then, and then I'll let these guys have a word because I love this topic. <laughs> Venial sin, we're going to do them. The righteous person sins every seven times a day. We're going to do them. You're going to fall. It's, we try not to, but mortal sin. Mortal means deadly. We must avoid mortal sin. When we do commit a mortal sin, please wake up, Father, if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and get to confession ASAP, All, right away. Don't wait around. Don't be shy. It has to get off our soul. What if you had a heart attack and you were waiting till Saturday evening when Father does confession? No, like right away, urgent matter. I'm not going to ask how many people shower and bathe as very often, <laughs> but we, we got to keep ourselves physically clean. What about spiritually clean? So you should hopefully smell good today, but spiritually, <laughs> do you smell well? The saints could smell sin in people. And they walked in the room like, oh, gosh, it was so bad they almost passed out. And it wasn't body odor, it wasn't deodorant from teenagers, okay? It was literally that, that sickness, that deadliness of that mortal sin. So avoid mortal sin at all costs and get to confession as often as you can. And three things need to be present for it to be Please, a mortal yes. sin. Yes, yes. Uh, just Take note on this. Remember this. You'll know yeah. if anything is ever a mortal sin if you follow these guidelines. And all three need to be present to be a mortal sin. So if you're missing one, you're in the venial range. Yep. So first, it has to be of grave matter. It has to be bad, right? Second is that you have to know it's bad. Third is you did it anyway. You so chose bad, to do it. You know it's bad, and you did it anyway. So this is what, it has to have all three for it to be a mortal sin. So a lot of times you get asked a question like, okay, what if somebody comes into my house in the middle of the night and I shoot them? Say your prayers, you long-eared galoot! And they die. That's murder, murder is a sin, right? It's murder, right? Okay, well, it all has to do with intention. What did you intend when that man or person comes into the house and, and robs you or is intending on robbing you or killing you or hurting your family or whatever? What was your intention when you pulled the trigger? Was it, I know this is an off topic. <laughs> yeah, <not> really. <laughs> off analogy, but it kind of plays right into on. it. So, all right. So if a guy comes in, what was your intention? So when that person comes in and you say, I want to protect my family. My yeah. family's in jeopardy here. Please stop. Boom. And the man just happens to die. It's still murder, but you didn't want him to die. You just wanted him to stop. Or when the guy comes in the room, not in my house, pal. Boom. You know, okay, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> you intended on him to die. <laughs> Boy, that escalated quickly. So that would be considered a mortal sin where the first one would be more... Uh, it's still serious, and I would still go to confession and probably counseling, 
but <laughs> it would fall, would not be considered yeah, self defense. Right, right, right. You know, stealing a peanut. Well, I think that's where we have sin. But stealing a million dollars, you know, you knew it's wrong. It? You chose to do it, and it's seriously wrong. Absolutely. Well, how good that peanut was. <laughs> I think we look at at sin as like stealing a cookie from a cookie jar. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, sorry, God. You know, we're what is it really? You know, we're damaging a relationship. Yeah. Okay, so fellas, guys who are married, when you screw up, and notice I said when, not if. <laughs> when we screw up with our wives, what has to happen? There's a conversation that has to be had, and it usually is very uncomfortable, right? Before we get to the flowers and the candies and the <laughs> taking them out to eat, right? It's like, kind of like an examination of conscience. Exactly. Exactly. Up. So if we go to Scripture, and where Jesus is just ascended, or just has uh, resurrected, and he's sitting on the shore, and the guys are out floating fishing, and they ain't catching nothing. I don't know how they ever made money fishing. <laughs> in the Bible, they never caught anything Without until Jesus, Jesus came around. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. So anyway, they recognize it's him. Peter swims over there, and he gets out of the water, and he looks down, and he sees Jesus cooking breakfast on what? A charcoal fire. There's only two places in the Bible where it mentions the charcoal fire. There and when Peter denied him. Hmm. When Peter denied Jesus three yeah, times. He was warming himself, yeah. So you got to know that ever since Jesus came back to life, Peter has been waiting for this conversation. Hmm. This very uncomfortable conversation of walking up and he sees this charcoal fire and he goes, oh, here it comes. The biblical butt-chewing butt of a lifetime. <laughs> biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? I'm about to get it. Because I denied him three times. He told me I was going to deny him and before the cock crowed. And here I did it. And now here's the conversation. So they're eating breakfast and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus, again, second time. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep, or tend my lambs. Mm -hmm. Third time, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He says, feed my sheep. So this was Peter's confession. And he's filling in the holes. He's, he's filling in the holes. He's making for up for Jesus is reinstating Peter as the top dog. Not only that, but it's, it's, it's his confession. You notice he asked him three times. How many mm -hmm. times just did Peter fail? Three mm -hmm. times. This is where when we go to confession, we not only... Tell them, tell the priest our sin, but we also tell him how many times. Mm. This is where we get with there. the mortal ones, uh huh? Right. So this is, so that conversation has to happen. That uncomfortable conversation with our wives or. Yeah, do you enjoy going to confession? Like, woo! I'm excited to go in there. I don't think so. Love hate relationship with confession. Yeah. I hate to go, but I love the way I feel when it come out. Yes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> the the problem that I faced. Uh, before I came into the church was I believed that God took away my sins, but I just never really knew. And I know I often come at this, uh, at these topics as a Protestant perspective, but I, every day I'm grateful for what I have in the Catholic Church. And so I always have that. I feel like I have an advantage because I got to live a large part of my life without the Catholic faith. And I was walking through the desert. I was walking through the desert. My whole life. But <clears throat> I never really knew. I, you know, I asked God, uh, will you forgive me for what I've done? 
I would be so distraught that here I go again. I said I didn't cry much, but I would just be in tears even as a little kid because I just didn't know if what I had asked to be taken away from me was. I always wore it. I always had the heavy burden of knowing that I was a sinful person. And God died on the cross you know, many years ago, right? 2,000 years ago. But why do I still feel this way if he's, what He's already done is once and for all? But there's genius in Catholicism. And Matthew Kelly says it all the time. There's genius in it. Because we can actually go and do what in John 20 it says. Uh, John 20, or John, yeah, yeah John verse, 20, 20. Verse 19, yeah, 20. Uh, when he said uh, this, he showed them his hands in his side. You know, he was there with them um, as he appeared to the disciples. And he told them, peace be with you. Uh, the Father is He literally me. walks through the wall and yeah. enters the room. Biz, we talked about this. Yes, but the door was open, so I assumed that... Because <laughs> they're in hiding, and here he is. He shows up, hello! You know, that would be kind of crazy. And he's talking about the Trinity, just like today, the Most Holy Trinity feast. And he says, as the Father has sent me... And right. he tells the priest... Mm -hmm. And he's talking about authority, right? Because it's the Father. As he sent me, so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven, and whose sins you retain are retained. That's why we go to a priest for confession, to have our sins forgiven. John 20, 19 to 23. Yeah, why would, he not, why would he give these men that authority if he didn't expect for them to hear somebody's mm -hmm. sins? Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like you were saying, too, you were alluded to, you know, as a Protestant, you go, Lord, please forgive me. Yeah. At least in confession, you go, please forgive me. I absolve you from your sins. Uh, the best words in our whole dictionary in life. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wow. That was awesome. <laughs> there's there's nothing better than that. Coming off so One, oh, go ahead. The, the argument that I always get is, uh, well, well, I just go straight to God. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And the church has the authority to speak the words of God, and which is absolution. You're forgiven. It's interesting that we just talked about the Eucharist, and Jesus is sitting with them, and he's telling them something that's difficult to hear, a sacrament, Eucharist, right? And people get up and leave. I call them the first Protestants. At least that's you know what I gather from the book. Or the first Catholics left Mass early. Yeah, or the first Catholics who left Mass early. And here we are again on another sacrament. No. And what happens right after this? After Jesus walked through the wall, gave them this authority, breathed the Holy Spirit on them, he wouldn't have said it if it didn't this mean something. This is the something. final sacrament he gives us. Mm -hmm. And then Thomas. What, is Tom, what do we know Thomas has? Doubt. The doubt. Poor guy. <laughs> Forever known. Aren't we all doubters? Like, gosh, to have a title like that. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to believe what you're saying. Let me stick my hand and finger into your hand and the hole in your side. There's you know? a really good painting of that. And literally, you can see the finger going into like his flesh. Like it's really cool to see. Yeah. So there's this that physical the side of, of this <laughs> spiritual sacrament, right? Just like the Eucharist, the physical side of the spiritual sacrament. So we were just talking uh, in our break about, uh, about faith and about... Uh, help me out here. Oh, we so why do we do it? Yeah, so why do we do that? Uh, if it's just faith a, and works, right? Yeah. 
Here's what, I'll cap that off for you guys. You're both right. It is by faith that we are saved. Yes. It is by works that we are saved. And so that's the cool part about the Catholic Church. It's the fullness of truth. It brings it all full circle. Going into the confessional is bringing your faith and what we have. It, once again, the market is cornered. Because who else can forgive sins except for the, the apostles and apostolic secession and priests? St. Francis would kiss the hands of every priest you come across. He would get on his knees and kiss them. We should do that. Like, <clears throat> What are you doing? Uh, we, we don't do that here. Priests can do miracles. They can absolve sins, change bread and wine to the Savior of the world. Wow, what yeah. a calling. Um, a few years back, you know, Chris says it all the time, there's genius in Catholicism. A few years back, uh, my wife for Lent decided instead of giving something up, she wanted to do something more. She goes, I think I figured it out. I want to go to confession every week during Lent. I was like, oh, well, that sounds great. She goes, I think we ought to do it as a couple. Oh, oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> she was excited. I wasn't so sure. <laughs> so we did. We set it up with Father that on certain Thursday night before Mass, we were going to go to confession every week during Lent. And it was really an eye-opener because I, this is really kind of where I, for lack of better words, just fell in love with sure, confession. Sure. Because after, at first, you know, like you said, it's practical. You had practical implications. You know, I would start going every week and then it was like, I was about to be committing a sin. Like, oh, I'm going to have to tell Father. <laughs> and I'd stop myself. <laughs> so I better not do that. But then also I started noticing something else. The more often that I went, the more I started to realize, well, one, how sinful I actually am. But then when I actually sinned, how bad it made me feel and how I treated other people. Hmm. How I treated my kids, how I treated my wife after I had committed either a major sin or even just a little one. I had no patience. I was angry easily. I mean, it was just, I started noticing that in myself. I was like, whoa, this is not cool you know the but the opposite is also true the further you stay or the longer you stay away from confession the opposite is true where you start becoming numb mm -hmm. you commit the sin it's not a big deal right you know the, the more often you commit it and the less you go to confession eh. the devil likes us in that place yeah you just become numb to the fact that uh, you know you've just lost <laughs> for lack of a better word you've lost that loving feeling I've got an interesting story about that, but I don't know if I have time. <laughs> I'll tell you later. But anyway, so yeah, you just I started realizing how sinful I was. And the more I went to confession, I'm more like Tony. I try to go every two weeks. If I forget, I, I start to feel it. Mm. Last night, I, it was, we went to Mass on Saturday night. I didn't go to confession, or I didn't go to communion. I think the biggest scandal in the Catholic Church is not what the priests are doing, it's not what the Pope says, it's not all this other stuff. The biggest scandal in the Catholic Church is that the communion line is much longer than the confessional line. That's kind of harsh. We need to be examining ourselves and getting to confession more often before we go to communion. So like I said, last night I skipped because well, I had a monster couple of days and I had some problems with some equipment that I might have used some choice language. <laughs> but... When I got there, it was on a rush. We got to Mass. I wasn't 
hadn't wound down from the day, it was still in high gear, and I just didn't feel right. I felt dirty, mainly because I hadn't had a shower. You gotta take a shower, little man. You are right! Whoa! But, <laughs> I just didn't feel right going. And so I said, I need to get cleaned up before I go. So we asked a question, and that is, have you gone to communion without having proper prior sacramental confession? I'm gonna say that it was probably 100% of us. And that's a daring thing for me to say. Dare I say? Dare, dare. The question is, are those three conditions met? You know, it was bad, you knew it was bad, but you did it anyways. And so I think a lot of us get hung up on that first one. Is it really bad or not? Well, when you go through the examination of conscience and you just look at the Ten Commandments and you look at the depth of each of those conditions, you know, uh, the, the fifth commandment, shall not kill. It's not just about that. When you read the catechism and you read more about what that means, is it doing drugs, blaspheming the body, the temple of God? I mean, you could go on. So it's not as simple as it may look like on the surface. So we talked about Catholic guilt. It doesn't mean that you just got to be downtrodden all the time. Hey, mm -hmm. confession exists. Go get it off your chest. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all, it's kind of cheap therapy. It is. <laughs> I think, yeah. you know. The, I was on an axe retreat one time when we had confession one night, and I went to the, to the priest, and before they had a breakdown of all the Ten Commandments, and they generalized it, I mean, to the T. And I was to the point where you're like, yeah, the Catholic guilt, I, I committed them all. <laughs> Sign me up all. through ten. And I went and I told the priest that. I said, yeah, after listening to that, I think I committed all of them. And he goes, you kill somebody? <laughs> well, no, Father, I didn't kill anybody. And he said, well, did you tear somebody down with your anger? Ooh, ouch, that one hurt. You know, and I think it falls in that it category. Falls in that category. And, you know, different things hit different people in different ways. I mean, these, these commandments in this examination of conscience covers the world, which is full of all different cultures, and things mean different things to different families and people. And so when you really dive in and you really look interiorly, like Tony said, you realize that you should go more. What are we waiting for? Take this! And so when I have my six daughters and my wife and they all get in the communion line and I don't, yeah, I, should, I could go up and get a blessing. And I teach RCIA and we're Rome boys and people know us in our parish. And I don't go. I've seen people look at me. <laughs> Sorry. It's, you think Sorry. It, <laughs> <laughs> I've had the question asked, why didn't you go? That's my business, not yours. You know, I mean, that's what my heart says instantly. But you know what example that sets? For being somebody who is a believer and everybody knows it, and you do walk in faith day by day, and people see that, and then you don't go to communion? What'd that guy do? <laughs> well, let me tell you what I did. I went, and I had communion one time. And I had a very grave sin on my soul. When I went to the confessional... I went to the priest and everything, I actually wrote some things down, my, my sins. When I got in there on the kneeler, God struck me right between the eyes. Come on. That was a good one. And right in my heart. And everything I thought that I did that was wrong was peanuts. <laughs> Compared to the fact that I took communion without prior confession. That's when I knew this was the worst thing that I had ever done in my life. As far as God was, you know, telling me in that moment. 
and I felt it like I'd never felt anything before. We go to communion, and we go to communion, and we think everything's okay. And then we wonder why things aren't right in our life. Well, Paul was clear when he said, you guys are consuming death upon yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? That's what he says. He elaborates. This is why you are sick and dying. So we wonder why things aren't going right in our life. The formula is simple. They're called the sacraments. Yep. Just take advantage of it. You don't have to rewrite the story. Just be a part of it. Be active in it. So it, you've got to, got to, got to understand that who cares? My question to you was, was there ever a time that you took the sacrament, the blessed sacrament, communion, without proper confession. I don't ever want you to experience that. Don't. Here's a couple reasons why you might not go to confession. You're really good friends with your priest. You see him all the time. What is he going to think of me? Shame on you. I've been there. I've said this out loud in front of a whole bunch of people and I said, shame on me too. Because that means you don't actually believe in what the church teaches, which is apostolic secession, which means he's in persona Christe. He's in the person of Christ, sitting in that chair with the authority, God directly, to give you absolution, to take away those sins, just as, it, as I just read in Scripture, right? Shame on us if we think too highly of ourselves to think that that priest hadn't dedicated their whole life to give it up to God, to have the authority to give you what you need. And he's going to forget... He's going to and forget. If he remembers he can't say anything because he's vowed the seal of confession. Yeah. And, what is like super, and what does it matter? It's like a supernatural gift that they have. Yes. Just automatically forgetting. Yeah, you know? literally. I was really, in a room with priests and they're like, I don't remember anything. I think I got it, but just in case, tell me the whole thing again. I wasn't listening. <gasps> they just forget. It's gone. You what know? does Ecclesiastes say? You, th- you think you're so special? You think you got something new to tell them? Yeah. Ecclesiastes no. says there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, they called this one priest called himself the garbage man. <laughs> and does garbage look any different? <laughs> it's just a bunch of blech, and it's gone. <laughs> and we're light as a feather when we leave. I think yeah. that's what it is. We go in there and we think, well, you did what? No, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he's never done that to me. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, point in there and say, Father, I commit the same sins all the time. Seems yeah. like I'm just telling you the same thing over and over you and over again. You in that boat again. too? Like same yeah. same thing he over goes, well, at least it's not something new. <laughs> <laughs> You're not creating okay. something new? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's awesome whenever you do have to go back to that same priest and you're able to uh, really understand that he's going to forgive you no matter what it is and you don't have to worry about it ever getting out because the seal yeah. of confession mm-hmm. is real. Yeah, They will lose There's their There's a faculties. good movie called I Confess. Old movie, you should watch it. It's the story of that. So I'm just going to leave it there. Watch the movie. But the most important thing, though, whenever you're going to confession, there's the number one thing that has to be present. You got to be sorry for it. Contrition. You got to be sorry for it. And I that's mean, the matter. Like Father yeah. Ricardo used to say that you know, when he would go to confession when he, before he was a priest, it was, for, you know, forgive me, Father, what I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. You know, forgive me for what I'm about to go do this evening or whatever the case may be. That's not true contrition because you're intending to do it again. Right. So, I mean, we all screw up, we drop the ball, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, as long as we have it in our heart that I am truly sorry for damaging this relationship between us. You know, it's not that God, you know, we commit a sin and God pulls that, pulls his love away from us. No, his love is always there. But what we do is we put up a wall. By our sin, we say, no, we don't want it anymore. 
maybe not internal, maybe we're not trying to say that, but that's what happens. And so we don't feel that loving feeling anymore because yeah. we've mm-hmm. done this sin that has held us back. And so we have to repair this relationship. And the only way to repair it is to truly be sorry. I mean, we've all gone to our wives and, yeah, babe, I'm sorry. That wasn't a good one. Yeah. That's not enough. Yeah. So we have, to, yes, we have to be truly sorry to be able to work for it and intend on not doing it again. Are we going to do it again? Probably. <laughs> but to we, be truly forgiven. To yes, be truly yeah. forgiven, we have to really try not to do it again. And we probably will do it again, but mm-hmm. we got to try not to. There's a cool quote the Council of Trent said, For if the sick person is too ashamed to show his wound to the doctor, the medicine cannot heal what it does not know. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Or can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? So we have the medicine. (laughs) We can just go over there and everything can be gone. As the salesman, again, the catechism says, here's all the positive effects confession has on your soul. So if you haven't been in a while, you know somebody hasn't been in 20 years. I knew a lady hadn't been in 60 years and she went. This is what's happening to all souls when we go to confession. I know a guy that went to next retreat. He hadn't been in 50 years. That's mm-hmm. awesome. He wasn't in there that long. I was like, nah, you have to be in there long. <laughs> <laughs> I told him that. He thought it was funny. Number one, restores us to God's grace. So if you died after confession, where would you go? Me, purgatory, then heaven, but eventually heaven. Yeah, yeah, I hope. Yeah. But, but if we went to confession, mortal sin is gone. We know we're not going to hell, which is awesome. Two, the peace and serenity of conscience. Isn't that the greatest feeling? Joe mentioned it earlier, like going in. Ugh. But coming out, wow, that feeling that you can't get anywhere else. Even the Eucharist, the graces that we get from the Eucharist are awesome, but not that peace and serenity, the same kind of peace that you get from going to confession. Three, it reconciles us with ourselves, God, and the church. You're repairing that damage that it caused. And now you can look back and say, okay, I messed up, but now it's fixed with this sacrament. Four, the remission of punishment from the sin in part. So it fills in some of the holes from our sins, which is great. You know, like, you know, we need that grace so that our purgatory time will be less and we'll be able to uh, see God sooner. Five, increases the strength of the Christian battle. Who needs that? Look outside, people. (laughs) The world's a mess. Last time we were here, we said that. It's gotten way worse since we were here a few months ago. When it was, I'm serious, hasn't it? Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. It's going the wrong direction. It's spiraling down. We can help in that battle for souls by going to an individual confession. We think we can only do so much. So I picture people in a nursing home. They're like, well, what does my life mean anymore? Say what? What do you mean? Like, you know, nuns that are cloistered in the middle of nowhere, their prayers are helping the entire body of Christ. You have so much you can do by going to confession, receiving communion worthily. These are awesome things. As we go to confession, we examine our conscience and we get a good one. One that's thorough and it doesn't beat around the bush and tells us every single thing. Not like, yes, I haven't killed. Yeah, yes, you don't I have steal. to go into detail. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> I mean, but some of them like tell you like, wow, I've never even thought that was a sin. So you examine your conscience or the catechism says we look at our sin. We take responsibility for it. I did it. No one made me do it. And then we open up our arms like Christ did on the cross back there and say, I give it all over to you. It's gone. 
and you're forgiven, it's forever gone. What the greatest thing ever is those words of absolution. So we talked about with all the sacraments, the matter, like with communion is bread and wine. The matter is contrition. You got to be sorry. The form, you have to hear these words because some priests don't say them. If they don't say them, you're not forgiven. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Some priests fix, you know, miss the first part through the ministry of the church. May God give you pardon and peace. Like, that's optional. You're supposed to say that, but not necessary for it to be valid. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's got to be a priest or higher. Priest, bishop, cardinal. If you go to the Pope for confession, great. But at the same time, it has to be those people for it to be a valid confession. So a deacon obviously can't hear confessions. <laughs> go to a priest that doesn't speak English. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> It works. It still works. <laughs> Gracias, Padre. <laughs> well, it's about to tell you everything. <laughs> so it's interesting. He probably knows English. So <laughs> we we have these things here, and you know, at our at our fingertips, at our disposal, right? We could take advantage of these things. It's awesome to see people who come into the church through RCIA uh, say that you see their eyes open up like my goodness, I never really realized this is how it works, you know, that, that he, I, I always read this in the Bible, but I didn't really know how to reconcile the fact that he gave somebody else the power to give and take away, you know, hold sins and, and retain them and, and, and absolve them. And I said, yeah, I've, I felt the same way too. Well, in RCIA one day, uh, we were talking about an examination of conscience and apparently he had something difficult in his life that he was dealing with. This one concept is what brought him into the church. We were actually on the fifth commandment and it was, came down to self-defense. Hmm. And he said, it's not, and I said, yeah, look, read the catechism right here. You have the right to defend yourself. So if you have to kill somebody in the line of self-defense, it's, it's okay. You don't have to live your whole life thinking you're a murderer. And he, and, and that moment, and so he kept his wife from becoming Catholic throughout their whole marriage. And this guy was in his 60s, okay? And his wife finally said, I'm not gonna listen to you anymore. I wanna come into the church. And she came into the church. Went to RCA three different times and mm -hmm. finally came in on the third time. And then her husband came around because she, he saw the change in her. And she had answers to questions. And so he came and said, I'm just here to, to listen. And then he had a question and it was about the fifth commandment, self-defense. And he said, you guys actually have an answer to the questions that nobody else has that you can't just find in the Bible. It's our sacred tradition, which this book says we need to hold fast to our traditions. And confession is one of those. And it's also scriptural. Uh, but it was that one simple thing that we have. It, because we were talking about confession, and then we got to go into the examination of conscience. And then he knew how to reconcile whether his sin was grave or not, because he'd never had an examination of conscience. And then he realized the genius thing, Catholicism, oh my goodness, there's an answer to this problem. And he continued to, to hit on this thread. And what I was led to believe is that he had to kill somebody in his life. And it was a very tough thing for him to get over. And it said he, he said it was, he says, something I've never shared with anybody in my life and I don't ever plan on doing it. He came into the church that year, and he gave his first confession. And he came to me, and he said, thank you so much.
for just being honest with me and not holding back and just sharing what the scripture actually means. We have the truth, right? You can't handle the truth! And so the sacrament is there. You know the number one prescribed drug in the United States? It's Prozac. People have problems with depression. They have problems with anxiety. And there's nothing wrong with folks that need medication for certain things that they're dealing with. But what I honestly believe, and I'm in the healthcare world, I work in nursing homes, okay? I see the laundry list of what people are going through, their diagnoses, their medications. I honestly believe that if we would just go to confession, it's all the counseling we'd ever need as a, as a world. I think people would be much better in their skin if they heard those simple words. I absolve you of your sins. They could let go of these things that make them want to shoot up schools. You know, the challenge is whether you have both parents or not. Even in that situation, I believe that with confession, absolutely. your problems. The grace is enough. It, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Our Lady of Fatima, who appeared over a, hundred, a little over 100 years ago, appeared to Jacinta Francesca and Lucia, and uh, they showed them hell, and it was very vivid to them. You can't unsee it once you've seen it, can you? No, you can't unsee it. It's nightmare fuel. That'll be with me forever. And she says, the majority of people in hell are here because of sexual sins. And that's what our culture is wrapped up around. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, you know, most of them uh, are venial sins. But if you uh, examine the Fifth Commandment, kill. And the Sixth Commandment, the sexual sins. And the First Commandment, worshiping false gods and putting all these other things above God. Those are the main areas, the main culprits of most mortal sins. We're here to help you not ever fall into deadly sin. And you're here to help everyone you know not to fall into mortal sin. And so, yeah, you could cuss, and we, we do, you know. Is it grave? No, it's not super serious. It can get there, though. It certainly can if you're, like, totally, like, denying God's existence and just going rapid fire. Um, like I said, stealing a peanut earlier or something like that. Um, whatever it is, you know, lying. Typically, it's a venial sin. We all lie. But can it get to the level of grave? It certainly can. So most of us in this room commit a lot of venial sins, but watch those areas where the devil wants to get you to that level of mortal, of seriously wrong. Ain't nobody got time for that. Drunkenness is a mortal sin. Did you know that? A lot of people don't, you know? Uh, missing mass on Sunday, literally it says in the catechism, is a grave sin. A lot of Catholics, I didn't know that at Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, no one ever told me. So we have to have full knowledge. We have to study up and know our, what we believe, why we believe it, and let's help the world out there know the truth. I had a guy try to challenge me one time. He said, ah, you old Catholics, he said, you go walking around and you stump your toe on a rock and you say a bad word and say you die right after that, you're going straight to hell. I, I can't believe in something like that. I said, oh, man, come on. That's not how we, that's not how we believe things. I said, if I go through this field and I stump my toe on a rock and I say a bad word, well, shame on me. I should use a better vocabulary. Yes. But if I stump my toe and I curse that rock or I curse God for putting that rock in my way, mm -hmm. that's a different story. Yeah. I'm trying to explain that to him in that particular way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, <laughs> there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference. You know, <laughs> what was that comedian said? There's just no, there's just no Christian cuss words. 
<laughs> they don't work, do they? Yeah, you yeah. hit your thumb with a hammer. Budsicle. Ouch, just doesn't cut it, you know? <laughs> 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 it shocks. Oh, darn it, you know? <laughs> Thank you all so much for having yeah. us out again. We had such a blast again. Yeah. Now yeah. we're going to be talking the whole way home, I know. But thank you all. So in the meantime, be bold. Be real. Be Catholic. God, God bless. bless.